0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chipping Away, where your hosts Akash and Durga take you on journeys of South Asia, its history, archaeology and everything in between. So what are we discussing today?
1: Well, keeping in line with our recent themes, we're looking at another aspect of heritage. So far we've looked at what is heritage, tangible, intangible, cultural and geological heritage. Today we're looking at another aspect that is digital heritage. In this fast-paced modern world where everything is getting a digital makeover, Heritage too is getting a digital interface. This can be related to how we interact with digital spaces, how we interact with cultural spaces digitally, as well as our entire record of digital activities.
0: And digital media also enables us to add multimodal data sets to conserve, preserve and document cultural heritage. For instance, we can have voice notes or podcasts like ours. We can have images, videos, even movie clips walkthroughs, 360 panorama views, and the list goes on. The pandemic and the lockdown really showed us the strength of digital media, especially cultural heritage which is preserved or can be accessed through digital modes. For instance, we could access a site far away from home, let's say in Turkey or Uganda, just by sitting at our desk through a click of a button. We could virtually travel even to Egypt, India, Angola, and everywhere that your heart would go.
1: Museums too opened up their collections and exhibits and made a virtual interface for interacting with the museum's collections. And this is also a wonderful way to share heritage through time and through space. To talk more about this developing field of digital heritage, we have with us Michael, the founder of Fosion. Fosion is a French-based nonprofit dedicated to cultural art and history recommendation.
0: Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael.
2: Hey, Akash, Jurga, all good on your end?
0: Oh yes, I'm excited to discuss what you have in store for us today. So let's dive right
1: in. So Michael, what do you do?
2: I am a consultant and an advisor for international organizations and ministries, but over the past six, seven months, I started a nonprofit, profit uh, which is about helping people understand the culture around them, not just when they travel, but also culture, which is just at their feet and that they do not really uh, understand. And so it's a gathering, this non it is a gathering of uh, academics and artists across the world. We have people uh, in Canada, in the US, in Europe uh, and India so far who are passionate about arts and history and want to help people understand it and I would say help people access the codes you know the little things the little details that actually make all the difference and that can get you in a painting a building a church a mosque in a way that the wikipedia page cannot do or in a way that an academic manual also cannot do it's a long, arduous task, and we are quite proud to have started this journey.
0: That was a very succinct summary. I'm actually curious to know what you mean by getting the person into the cathedral or chapel, ways in which Wikipedia cannot get you. Could you elaborate a little on that?
2: When you are on Wikipedia, you have too much information. You have 10, 15 pages of information. It's very descriptive. For example, imagine you're going to Notre Dame of Paris, or, or you're going to Châtrapati in Mumbai. Uh, You're in front of Châtrapati train station and you go to Wikipedia page and you have, I remember, 20 pages and details that are actually not really interesting, not really relevant for your understanding of the building. And then the other reflex that you may have is go for a book. But the book is usually going to be a bit snobbish, you know, uh, with very precise technical arts and history, you know, facts and figures that are also difficult to understand for people who, who are not in this field. We're trying to do something in between, something that is digital friendly and at the same time which is not too hard to reach in the nonprofit, we have identified two ways one is usually to start with a quote a quote from someone who is famous it can be a politician it can be um, a novelist it can be uh, an artist a basketball player you know who's giving his own perspective on the building and then it's about usually giving one element on the painting on the on the building or on the historical sites you know one element that will allow you to understand it in Châtrapati, for example, it can mean what we call in French, le pignon, the roof. You know, it's the mixture of tiles between West, English, and Indian, the colors and the decoration, the patterns. So it's about telling you what to look at and how to look at it if you have five minutes to spare on it. This is, in a nutshell, the concept.
0: So in short, we can summarize Fosya's work as making art and history accessible to a common person personality man who is without the expert training in art history or the arts.
2: Yes, exactly. It's, it's democratizing it. And it's doing all we can to get people closer to what makes sense around them. You know, there is in our society more and more cynicism, indifference to things due to many, many things, the rise of technologies, which are in a way separating us from others and also from the space around us. We're not going to do anything against that, but it's about, you know, going on these new tech platforms and get new generation, which is there, you know, tell them, guys you know there's something else that you can do on these platforms there's also uh, the possibility to have a better understanding of what is around you this is about understanding who you are understanding uh, the history that made your country that made the society that you're living in or if you're a tourist it can be about just having a you know better clues about the landscape that you're watching there is a lot of joy from that in just understanding something simple and it can have a lot of impact on your life i think we don't rank arts and culture as being number one food and security and good governance, obviously. But I believe that culture can bring a lot to someone.
1: Yeah, it's really encouraging to see that you're using this digital interface to interact with culture. You could stay in one place yet travel the world. So you're adding another element to this experience, this digital interface with culture and heritage. And I think it's a wonderful initiative.
0: I wonder if you can speak more to the digital integration at fosium
2: we're mostly relying on a map. On GIS uh, technology, we have support from Mapbox. We use that for the website. And obviously, at some point, we'd like to evolve into an app that would be even more practical for uh, mobile uh, users. But you know, our website is mobile-friendly. And then it might tell you what to do in the city that you're visiting. Right now we have approximately 100 points, which is not enough to maybe the reflex to go there every time. Honestly, I think we would need to have 3,000, 4,000 points of interest to, you know, before we can be this kind of app. But you know, you have to start somewhere, and you have to start with a strong methodology. It took us a couple of months to set up this uh, system on the cloud. It also took us a couple of months to find the, the right team for this, and we're still recruiting uh, people by the way, a little wink. And so, so this is done, you know, the foundations are there. The tech foundations are, are there as well. And now we have to build up on what we have started.
0: That sounds exciting, and you also mentioned about recruiting various people and scholars from various parts of the world. That, again, is another contribution of the project, that you're open to multimodal or multi-area specific expertise on the project, instead of two people working through books and sifting through libraries and trying to churn out the content, which we see in some digital media platforms. I see a methodology on multiple levels. One is that of content creation or curation and other is access of this heritage material to people and creating a feedback so that people can eventually also input their ideas into the whole project. I hope I'm on the right page with this. So I would like to know more about your idea of democratizing the process of heritage consumption or access to heritage.
2: Our own process so far is a bit vertical in a sense that uh, we rely on experts uh, more than we rely on users' comments. This might change. Uh, we might have users uh, you know, comment on what we write and participate perhaps in the writing, but um, we want to really put forward the people uh, who are dedicated to this you know who have spent their career on this uh, the PhDs the, the artists we want to trust them and in my view there's not enough credibility I would say or legitimacy given to people who do humanities uh, nowadays you know we enter an age which is going to become more difficult economically and also politically I believe because of many reasons the end of cheap oil and gas climate change and the rise of military tensions to name just a few and in this context, uh, humanities are perceived as being uh, secondary and not valued. So we want to value the people who are actually dedicated to this. We want to give them a mic to say what they have to say, basically when you go on other platforms what you see on these touristic uh, platforms is that things that are written are not uh, verified and they are sometimes wrong and so it's not created, it's not precise it doesn't say much you know about the location it doesn't give you any poetry it doesn't give you any any sense of participating in what you have in front of you i see that in notre dame every day i live close to notre dame of, of paris and people what they are told is horrific stories about uh, torture in the middle ages and gamification of culture. And arts. I mean, I see these touristic guides who are telling uh, foreign tourists uh, things that often are, are false, or ambiguous, or just about goryish things that do not really help people get the place where they are. So yeah, we you know, we'd like to change that. We'd like to take arts and history seriously again and do it with the right people. And this takes more time, obviously, than uh, you know having uh, thousands of writers across the world who, with little uh, expertise on this. So it, it would be faster to tap into the thousands of motivated and curious people but um, who have not really studied this who have not gone through the books you know this is what allows you to eventually to say to people you know you should look at that I you know recommend after all these hundreds of books and thousands of hours I spent working on this I can tell you that you should look at this piece of ornament of decoration and not at this one and I see that as a huge potential to tap into that that no one is interested in anymore and that should be brought back uh, from and center in our society.
1: Yes, that is a very valid point. I think the romanticization of the past and also to an extent making it very mythical or just focusing on certain aspects of it, always others, the past from the present. And I think in the current state we are in, we need to have a more inclusive and comprehensive point of view, especially including the past. And I think this undertaking of yours is doing wonders in that. And like you said, it's giving academics who have dedicated their life into these subjects a voice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let me give you an example, Akash, to prolong what you just said about the Notre Dame of Paris and what I just said about the Middle Ages. This example is actually very striking. So all these tourists, especially American now, I mean, there's a lot of Americans here, it's crazy. So they come and you have these guys and they tell them about the burning, you know, witches and also Jews and political uh, critics of the king were burned in specific places, also in Place uh, Maubert near here and in another location uh, in Paris. And so they tell these horrible stories about people being uh, tortured, their arms and legs being cut before their bodies are burned in front of thousands of people. And you know, people get out of Paris with this impression of the city and with this impression of the Middle Ages, which is a bit crazy because in know, 21st century, we're going to need an understanding of the Middle Ages. We are going to need an understanding of how these people were able to live with nature and with their surroundings and doing less because we are doing way too much on this planet now. And we are way too active. We are way too transformative. And this is killing us. And this is driving temperatures up and our modern post-industrial model is not going to last for two more centuries uh, if it is not reformed one of the ways to reform it is to actually understand what happened in previous centuries before the industrial revolution i'm reading a lot of such interesting books on that on the mentality of people the relationship between men and women parents and kids human beings and trees or animals and you realize that actually in the middle ages that there was a profound humanity and that yes you had this extreme violence but you had a regulation of violence overall. You know, you had these extreme practices, but you actually have this world of village interactions, which are so interesting and stabilizing. And when you live in the 21st century, you actually are a bit uh, nostalgic of it. But this is not what these tour guides are telling people here, you know, because they actually have the, the way that uh, the, the Hollywood eyes access to culture and, and to history. And uh, I think in a way it is damaging. We need something more profound, something deeper. Indeed- deeper about the past and about the culture around us.
0: This is a beautiful segue into my last question. Can you give us another example as to how you plan to do this? In the sense, what are the sites that you have looked at in FOSIO website at the moment or a sneak peek of some of the sites and points of interest that you would be adding to Fosseo?
2: Yeah, this is a tough question. So Fusirino, in a way, started in Venice, in Italy, because Venice is the point of contact between everything, between the north, south, east, and west. So when you go to Venice, you have the buildings are really a mixture of every style, of every century. And in Venice, you have 10 centuries of continuity. This is why they call it La Serenissima, the Serene Venice, because of the stability. But anyways, we started there because of this symbol, and uh, the potential is uh, everywhere. I mean. We have a lot of content on Europe. I think we have a lot more to do in uh, North America. There's a huge potential for North America, but I would say even more for India, for Japan, this is a concept which is very easy. You know, it, it is about using most of the time past books, manuals, but also books from travelers, books from artists, from people we admire, and then looking ourselves at a site. And so it is about crossing our own feelings of a specific site with the feelings of the past. So you can apply that everywhere. You can also apply that even in the ocean. I have a couple of posts which I think are upcoming about traveling by boat and reaching certain places. You have wonderful, wonderful travelers stories is For example, I was reading Albert Camus uh, last night, and Albert Camus was talking about when he entered Rio de Janeiro for the first time in his life in 1949. And it's very moving, you know, because he sees the Corcovado, he sees the Pao de Azúcar, and he tells about his first impression of Rio 80 years ago, which is a very different uh, Rio, of course, without the electricity and all the lights that we have today. So you can imagine many, many things. It is going to be about the people who join us. They are already making this project and this website. And they will continue to do so.
0: And speaking of people, the whole project Fossier is also inspired by Henry Fossillon. So could you tell us a little about that? So the source of inspiration.
2: Yeah, Henry Fossillon. Okay, so I was in the French bookshop years ago. And I see this huge book, uh, 1,000 pages book about understanding uh, Romanesque and Gothic churches. And I said, oh, yeah, that's great, because I've, I've always wanted to understand this. I've always been frustrated when I entered a church not to understand anything. And so you have no idea what is what, why this painting is here, what does this arc mean? And so uh, Prothion did that. I mean, it took me three, four months to finish this huge book. And it is the inspiration, yes, for us, because this is a man who has uh, done the same in India and in Japan. He wrote wonderful, wonderful books about uh, the arts in these two countries. He also was, for 10 or 15 years, a professor of art history at Yale University. And it's quite a beautiful story because, as you may know, France lost the war to Germany in June uh, 40, during World War II, and Henri Fossillon was in New Haven in, uh, in Yale University. He was one of the first Frenchmen to follow uh, général de Gaulle, so to follow the French resistance immediately. And so he was the leader of the French resistance in the Americas the age of uh, 60. And it's probably one of the reasons why he became sick and died during the war. And it's why he didn't finish the book that he wanted to write at the end of his life, sadly. And so in a way, we're paying a tribute to him, to his generosity, to his uh, independence, also to his uh, global overview, which at the time was quite rare, you know, to have this at a moment when we could not travel easily to have such international curiosity. We want to use that, this energy that he had uh, for the project we have now. So I think for Fossillon makes a lot of sense. And I'm quite happy, actually. I brought this up and I wanted to change name, but the whole team said, no, 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 we should continue. <laughs> because everybody in the team, again, they are PhD students or PhDs. And for them, Fossillon is like Michael Jordan to, to basketball. So I remember Anna Maria, for example, telling me, I have five books of Fossillon behind me. Snell is the same, Snell, which is based in Mumbai. She also had a book of Fossillon uh, close to her. These are our mascots, and we're, we're proud of this.
1: And I think it's a wonderful way to, you know, come full circle wherein, you know, in a world where that was so divided in the past, how Focion tried to unite it by looking at it through the past and looking at it from a holistic global point of view. You're trying to continue that project, looking at it in this modern day where, you know, we have so many interconnections as well as so many points of conflict. You're trying to bring this holistic perspective. And I think it's a wonderful project and we look forward to more on it. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Akash, and all the best for the rest of the day.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael. It was really very insightful. And I can actually see how we can move and adapt with our methods of cultural preservation and retrieval in a digital age. So see you all in a matter of 15 days. Until then, keep chipping away. We'll meet soon, and until then, keep chipping away. Bye bye. Chipping away is available on all major streaming websites, such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and so on. So go ahead, subscribe wherever you feel comfortable, or you can just log in to Buzzsprout and check out Chipping Away. We have a new episode coming up every fortnight, that is, after every 15 days, so twice a month. Each episode comes with a new theme new points for discussion, and something for us to take back and ponder on. So join us in our journey of understanding our collective past better and to question the existing and new theories and models that we encounter every so often. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChippinAwayIND and drop us a line about your comments, inputs, and what you would like to hear from us At chippinawayind at gmail.com. In this current environment of chaos, uncertainty, and a lot of tension that surrounds us with the pandemic, impending lockdown, and other restrictions, let Chippinaway be your little moment of recluse from the world around you. Help us make this little movement a little more better by reading the blog posts that go with our podcasts and other discussions online and offline. For the blogs, you can check out www.kalmyt.com. That is K-A-L-E-M-I-G-H-T-Y.com. We have all the links in the description for our podcast, and you can check it out online on Google, Spotify, and other major streaming sites. So, see you again in a matter of 15 days with a new topic, a new theme, and something new to pick your brain with. Till then, keep chipping away, stay safe, and take care. (coughs) Bye-bye.